What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats on the Out of Bounds Network. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, even if it's one star. It does hurt a lot, but I will take your criticism. Um, and yeah, no, no hard feelings. Also, if you're thinking about supporting the podcast, please do so. There's a link in the description below on how you can support this podcast month to month and kind of keep us going. We get better audio equipment, we get better guests, we get better locations and all those other cool things. But uh, yeah, if you're already supporting the podcast, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, be on the lookout. There's something cool coming for you guys as a gift to say thank you. And uh, yeah, but anyways, let's dive into this week's episode. And that is with Glenn Catchpole of Velo Bike New Zealand. Uh, really cool episode. Um, very, very techie episode. But we sit down with Glenn Catchpole of Velo Bike New Zealand and we chat about his bar creation, the endurance bar that he created for Team New Zealand which you pretty much end up seeing on Denmark's bikes, you see on Belgian's bikes, you see on uh, Matt Walls from GB uh, for the Olympics. And uh, yeah, I think it won like five medals or so, but uh, that's not the only thing that Glenn is creating. He's working on a super bike, he's creating chain rings, he's also working on the long boy stem, which is in production and has, uh, has a stem length, I think, the biggest stem length that you can get with a long boy stem is 200 millimeters long. Um, so yeah, if you really want an ego trip, uh, go, go check that out. Um, but let's dive in. Before we dive into this week's episode, let's chat ads. Um, I know you guys probably skipped through these, but these are the people that support us week after week and make this podcast possible. And the first one is Spot. Spot is back with another ad. And guys, I know that you are going on great adventures. And sometimes going on great adventures means great accidents. And Urgent Care does not care about your great accident and they will not give you a discount. But Spot covers your medical bills up to $20,000 each time you get injured. Spot will cover your actual out-of-pocket costs instead of a fixed fee. In a world where many people are underinsured and uninsured with sky-high deductibles, Spot fills that gap that has been sorely lacking in the outdoor space. So guys, you can cancel Spot at any time it is a monthly subscription and it has no deductible. So if you go out and you break your collarbone and let's say the insurance costs 10 grand and uh, you have a $5,000 out-of-pocket deductible, Spot will cover that $5,000. Um, if you didn't have any insurance, Spot would cover that 10 grand fully up to $20,000. So check out Spot at croom.getspot.com. That's croom.getspot.com. Spot policies cover you 24-7 worldwide, whether you're ripping a crit, skiing a black diamond, or chopping food in your kitchen, or even climbing Mount Everest. So check out Spot at croom.getspot.com. Also sponsoring the podcast again this week is KMC Chain, and the chain of the week is the K12 tie gold chain. Um, like all KMC chains, they come with a missing link for easy installation. Uh, as well as the gold chains are the most popular KMC chains that they have, adding bling. It's compatible with SRAM and Shimano and Campy. Uh, but yeah, KMC has been designing and manufacturing high-end performance cha cycling chains for the last 40 years, sponsoring world tour teams and leading the market with new technology and styles. Um, all you have to do is comment on my most recent Instagram post or any Instagram post, tag KMC chain and say gold and i don't know if you add in some cool emojis or something like that i might even that might even give you a few more entries and, and a little bit more excitement so go to one of my instagram posts 
tag KMC and uh, yeah, say gold and then add some cool emojis to it or something like that. Make it fun. I mean, if you just put gold, I'm, I'm probably not going to reach out to you. And oh, last week's winner. I forgot about that. Yeah. Make sure I get that in. And the winner is David Serdone. I think I said that right. Uh, if I didn't, I'm I'm sorry, but I'll be shooting you a message on Facebook. You just won a DLC chain in gold. That was the color that you wanted it in. So it kind of works out well with this next uh, this next contest that we have going on. But thank you guys for playing. And uh, yeah, be sure to comment on one of my pictures this week so you can have a chance of winning a chain as well. Um, yeah, and next up is Twisted Spoke. Twisted Spoke CBD is some of the best CBD on the market partially because it is ran by cyclists. And I just recently got my drug test back from USADA and I am clean and clear and ready to roll. So that tells you guys that it is okay. <laughs> they look out for you and uh, yeah, it's the good stuff. So check out Twisted Spoke CBD, um, dot com. They're based out of here in Colorado Springs and it's a bunch of cyclists, man. So they're going to be looking out for what our cyclists need. And my favorite is their CBN tincture. I use it every night before bed and wake up feeling rested and ready to go. That's how I'm able to record this intro. And finally, bike hardcore guys quit showing up to, to group rides with a dirty bike. Bike hardcore has eliminated that factor for you guys because all you have to do is go to bikehardcore.com buy their starter pack and they'll give everything you need all the tools that you need to start cleaning your bike at bikehardcore.com my favorite is the um is the grape bike wash because it smells like grapes and tis the season pumpkin spice chain butter yes they have pumpkin spice chain butter it smells like pumpkin spice and uh, yeah, I mean, who doesn't want a chain that smells like pumpkin spice? So go check them out at bikehardcore.com. Use code CROOM10 at checkout to get 10% off your first order. And that's bikehardcore.com and code CROOM10. But let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. I'm sitting here with Glenn Catchpole, the face behind Velo Bike out of New Zealand. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you really show your face much or even even say your name much. You just <laughs> you you are the famous man behind, you know, the bunch bars, the the bike, the the adapters for the Wahoo and, and the Le Monde, and I mean all the way down to chain rings, sprint bars. And the best, the long boy stem. I think you, what, you're making a 200 millimeter stem now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got uh, requested a 200 mil one, so I'm going to expand the range uh, a little bit further, a little oh, bit longer. Wow. So size does matter. Okay. Well, before <laughs> we dive into all that, man, tell me a little bit about you. Like we, like I said, we don't know much about you. We know, we know about the business. Look, I mean, there's the the car in the background, the Avanti on the wall. Tell us a little bit about who you are, who is Glenn, and where does, where does Velo Bike even come from? Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, so I'm Glenn Catchpole. Um, live in uh, New Zealand, in Taranaki, New Zealand. It's a, a region on the uh, west coast of the North Island. Um, so, yeah, my background is uh, industrial design. Uh, so I'm a product, pro product designer. Um, and while studying 
at university uh, in Wellington here in New Zealand. Um, that's when I started to get into track cycling and with my, uh, my, I suppose my passion for track cycling and my experience with designing things, that's kind of where I started to uh, create concepts for things, uh, not necessarily at that point making things, but just conceptualizing ideas. It wasn't until uh, moving up here to Taranaki that uh, when I got my first uh, sort of real world design job, uh, that I got more skills and understanding and how to actually turn these ideas into, into reality. Uh, so uh, I've recently just left that job, uh, my, my day job, and now I'm working at uh, Velobike full-time. Um, with all the skills and experience, designing and making stuff, being able to turn that into manufacturing uh, bicycle components. Sweet. So do you like, do you have a background in cycling? Like, and, and forgive me if I'm totally off, but like, what's your, what's your background in cycling? Like, where does it even come from? Um, I don't have too much of a, like a, a, a root background with my childhood. Uh, my parents weren't cyclists. Um, I'm just passionate about things with wheels and things that go fast. So it wasn't until when I was at uni that uh, I really got into it. So I'm not uh, <laughs> the, the most, uh, powerful or quickest cyclist out there probably due to experience but uh, it's something that I really enjoy and uh, I kind of focus more on the uh, track sprinting side of things so um, I do quite a bit of gym work and uh, quite a tight-knit community of us so yeah it's it's more, more about the passion rather than about competing for me. No yeah that's that's super cool and see that's where I was like trying to be like kind of careful because like I mean um there's Adam Hansen, you know, like he has a background, like pretty heavy background and he's like designing his own shoes and stuff now. And, you know, yeah. somebody not knowledgeable would never know. They would just know him as Adam Hansen, the shoemaker. And so like, I didn't yeah. want to be that guy where you have some crazy <laughs> pedigree that I just don't know about. Um, yeah. and, and yeah, so, um, but cool, man. So let's, let's kind of dive into, you know, your, your, your concepts. And I, I think the bunch bar is a good place to start. How many gold medals are actually, let's just, let's, let's, let's scratch gold medals for a second. How many medals were won with Velo bike equipment this year? Uh, two gold, four silver and a bronze. Wow. Wow. And so do you, do you work with these guys individually or were you like kind of just as shocked to see the bars on the bikes because i you know because some guys like they'll just buy what they want and you will never know about it and you'll just they'll just pop up on a bike yeah yeah um a little bit of both so yeah. the development of the of the bars were in collaboration with cycling new zealand um, okay so i knew i knew uh from new zealand's perspective that they were going to be running them mm -hmm. um then when COVID happened uh olympics were delayed uh, the technology being commercially available, a whole lot of the other teams jumped onto the bandwagon and uh, uh, purchased the bars to be able to run. Uh, most of them were buying them to test and do do area testing and things. So I knew, um, I think there were about nine, eight or nine nations uh, that had purchased the set or multiple sets. So. I knew that they uh, were testing them and using them, but I wasn't exactly sure who was going to be running them. Um, and yeah, a lot of the nations are quite secretive about that until uh, sort of the unveiling 
at yeah. Tokyo. So yeah. I knew to a degree that there were a bunch of nations going to be running them, but I just didn't know who or how many of them were. Sweet. And so when did Velo Bike start? Like when did the business actually become a business? Uh, 2018, it was about, um, we just over three years now, I think, uh, about September, 2018. Okay. Yeah. So you start in September of 2018. Did you see your bars winning that many medals in 2020 or 2021? <laughs> no way. No, no. no. I, I, those bars wouldn't even conceptualize at that point. Yeah. Um, it very much started with, uh, chain rings because, okay. uh, just a, a low, uh, technical item, uh, you know, fairly 2D uh, machining, mm-hmm. um, like yeah, fairly accurate to- tolerances and all that uh, within that, but uh, a, a reasonably uh, low difficulty product to manufacture. Uh, and so that the whole business was kind of built on a ladder system where started with uh, just uh, entry level chain rings and then all right just did it as a bit of a side hustle really um and sold them amongst the community here local community um at that point i didn't have a website it was just a, a an instagram page and started posting things onto facebook groups yeah uh reinvesting that into and the time into designing the next thing and the next thing yeah uh, and bringing that out and constantly improving so um that's kind of how the business has always kind of run. Um, and even with products that I've got out now, I'm constantly using them as research and development tools uh, to get to that next step on the ladder. Right on. And so what what does a classic, like how did you go into designing these bars? Because I mean, it's funny because, you know, we look at, you know, we look at, you know, the Velo bike bars, we look at the Aero Coach, Aero Coach bars, um, you know, Dixie Flyer or Velo Flyer has their own bars, you know, that that came out too. And then you go into Watch Shop, you know, with the Aero extensions and, um, and, and so on and so forth. And, and honestly, like there's so many handlebar brands popping up now. And I honestly think you even popped up in like the middle of the height of it. I think I don't want to say Watch Shop was one of the first because I mean, if you really want to dive into it, like Predator Cycling here in the United States mm-hmm. was making bars, you know, back then, but nothing with like crazy, crazy concept. Um, but I feel like you guys popped in when everybody was jumping on the bandwagon. But I felt like you guys were one of the first people to kind of pop bars up that were different. And so, mm-hmm. what? what went into the design process and, and like, kind of like, did you sit down with another cyclist, especially being that, um, you know, your background is more in the recreational side or just for fun and just the passion side. So do you, who did you sit down with or how did that design process come about to where you ended on these endurance bars? Yeah. So, um, it started off on Zwift. Okay. So running one of my adapters on, on a trainer, um, and on a track bike with okay. just track drops. And I was like a little bit fatigued down in the, in the, in the drops. And you know, you're just lapping your hand over the front of the bars and just kind of your traditional enduro style grips on the, on the, over the front of the bars. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, there's, there's gotta be something in between this and in a road bike. So it started off just with, yeah, track bike on Zwift doing, I suppose more endurance work 
on a sprint bike. And I was like, there could be some opportunities here with integrating some sort of a hood. Um, looked up the rules. You couldn't connect anything onto the bars. Uh, they had to be molded in. So that's kind of where the idea popped up. Um, and then I just started sketching. So with a lot of the projects that I, uh, how the process works is I start just with pencil to paper, just sketching ideas. Um, at that point, I had this kind of loose idea of how they were gonna look. And so I just jumped into CAD and blobbed something up, uh, spat out a few renders. And at that point I actually made, uh, I think it was an Instagram post or uh, a Facebook post just on my on my page and was just like, hey, check this out. It's something I've just been working on. Um, through that process, one of the New Zealand team riders uh, noticed and passed it on to the head mechanic. Uh, and uh, he gave me a ring up the next day and asked whether I could actually make these because uh, it was just a sketch and a render. Yeah. And I was like, yep, sweet, um, let's do it. I had a month before the UCI sign-off. Yeah. Um, this was uh, the World Cup, Cambridge World Cup in uh, 2019. Yeah. It was in December. And it was about November, uh, opt late October, early November that I published this post. So yeah, I had about a month to be able to turn this drawing into a, a prototype uh to be run at the world cup and so if it's ran as a prototype and so I, we've talked about this before on the podcast with you know when we had the olympic podcast with johnny whale about how many bikes we were going to see get completely banned or how many people were mm. going to get you know they were just going to go through the list of shit and just start pulling pulling stuff off bikes so what was the ruling because i mean you're kind of diving in head first you start in 2018 you know, you, you throw this drawing out and it creates hype. Cause I, that's how I found you actually is that mm. picture. Cause that was around the time where Adrian Hedgeberry was buying physique bars, t taking them, sending them to a carbon guy here in town and he would cut them down to 28 mils. And that was the perfect yeah. bar for him. And so mm. the bar, th bar hype was huge. Um, but yeah. So what was it like for you to go? to jump through all the UCI hoops to make sure that you didn't blow this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it was just one step at a time, uh, yeah. working quite heavily with the team. Uh, at that point, I hadn't had any um, experience working with the UCI. So uh, Cycling New Zealand handled a lot of that stuff for me. Yeah. Um, and from that prototype, so that was December, it wasn't until I think February that I actually went into uh, tooling up for the for the production version. And through that time, um, we did a whole bunch of uh, error testing and development of that form, doing minor tweaks and things. We couldn't change it too much because of, they were 3D scanned when they're all um, submitted. Yeah. So we couldn't change too much. Um, like I had a, had a fair idea of uh, sort of the, the profiles and, and what would make an aerodynamic bar um, when designing the thing and making the prototype. Um, but we did make some uh, minor minor changes to in, in improve that uh, before going into production. And that was, uh, so there's been two generations of them, uh, the 350 mil wide one, they were the first generation. And then now the second generation uh, is the 330 uh, mil wide, wide, wide one, so it's slightly narrower. 
So yeah, with, with COVID delaying the Olympics, there, there was an extra year to be able to develop equipment and the cutoff was now January 1st, uh, 2021. For the awesome. So they could rescan the bar, essentially. Yeah. Well, they, they could, they, you could resubmit equipment to a degree, uh, oh, as long okay. as it's commercially available. Uh, prior to uh, January 1st, 2021, you could run it at, at Tokyo. So a lot of the teams actually further developed uh, a lot of equipment. Uh, and so that, that second generation of bar was, uh, was developed. Uh, and that was in collaboration with uh, the Danish team. Uh, who Dan Bergen was also a part of. So yeah, working with them, uh, some of their riders to be able to refine the design even further, making it a bit narrower, a bit more aerodynamic uh, for that second generation. Wow. That second generation is the one that was used at Tokyo and all of the teams. Wow, yeah. So, um, so I guess when you did it the first time, so you didn't have to have it commercially available or did you find a way around it being commercially available? You see what yeah, I'm asking? It was yeah, yeah, it was it was commercially available um, to the point where like it was it was a pre-order. It was a prototype. Um, uh, production was all lined up for the future, but it was it was a pre-order, uh, and we didn't actually ship them out until sort of around June. Okay. Prior to uh, when the Olympics would have been. Yeah, because I was about to say I started seeing them pop up even here. I know there's a yeah. kid that rides. I think he rides your bike too, man. He's he's yeah. pushing. Will Bobro. Yeah. He's pushing that yeah. content hard, which is awesome. So <clears throat> shout out to him. Um, and then on top of that, um, you know, you've, you've sponsored road teams, you've sponsored, I guess what two national teams now at this point. So that would be New Zealand and the Danish team. I'm missing anyone. Um, just them. Yep. Pretty much that we've been doing some design work with. Yep. Okay. And, uh, you're two years old, man. And so and now, <laughs> now you're starting to one, now you're able to quit your own job and in, or your old job, your day job to, to kind of follow your passion and follow your, your desires. And so what do we see coming down the pipeline with fellow bike that you can talk about? Like, do we see any cool new products coming out? Is there a 3.0 on this endurance bar? I know that sprint bar, I feel like the endurance, your, your endurance bar clouds your sprint bar, but the sprint bar is, is a pretty badass bar as well. Uh, it kind yeah. of molds itself well with the, the long boy stem. So do we, do we see anything down the pipeline on that front? Yep. Yep. Um, so I'm constantly, uh, working on new things. Um, I've got a new, I've got the, the sprint bars, uh, will be coming out next year. Um, I have a whole new frame development, uh, in progress. And that's aiming to be sort of around um, Paris, Paris Olympics. Okay. Um, but it might be pushed out further past that just because this Olympic cycle is quite small. Uh, and so uh, collaborating with various, uh, can't tell too much about it, but collaborating yeah. with uh, various teams uh, and individuals and professionals in the industry around that frame set. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be something that's pretty innovative. Um, and also keeping an eye out with potential UCI updated rules. Um, I have a feeling yeah, they'll throw them at a, you. Yeah. yeah, there's going to be a few rules uh, that might change. Um, one of them that I have a, a sneaking suspicion on is uh, reach and, and just the, the length of bikes. 
because um, at the moment, like if you're over six foot two, you're pretty restricted in the in the equipment that you can run, even with the XL bikes. Um, they're still not long enough. So for a safety concern, like these riders are running uh, 170, 180 mil stems, depending on uh, their reach limit with the bars. And uh, the longer your stem, the less control you have yeah. uh, to a degree. So uh, the way around that is increasing the length of the bike. Um, and right now the bikes are at that limit. So I have a feeling that that rule might change in the near future, just for like the safety. Think, you think they might give us more? They might give us more uh, reach, yeah. Not not reach with bar length, uh, where the front of the bars are in relation yeah. to the axle, but in relation to the wheelbase, so the, the, the distance between the uh, the bottom bracket and that axle. Got so it. you can increase your, your your effective reach. Like almost the top tube, I guess, more or less. Yeah. In theory. Yeah, okay, okay, I got it. Yeah, because I know that's something that Hedge dealt with, and I know that's, you know, on those felts, that's something we all dealt with. Um, we couldn't get, you know, cause I don't know why, but the endurance, you know, you can't go five mils over the, 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 that front axle. Um, but with the sprint guys, they can go 10. Um, so yeah, I don't, or 10 centimeters. Um, 10 centimeters, yeah. yeah. And so if pain in the ass, um, mm. you know, trying to get a bike to kind of work its way out of that. Um, but yeah, so. I guess, you know, diving into a little bit of your bike, cause you released, you released a photo, what is it? The 2.0 or the M2 or something like that? Yep. The M2. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the concept behind that? Cause I, th I see a lot of like, just like anything going down the line, like we're talking about endurance bars, we're talking about sprint bars. We're talking, I mean, the Argon probably lends itself more towards the pursuit style of a bike. Um, what kind of bike would you call the M2? The M2 is an all-rounder. Uh, I wouldn't say that it is it is specifically a, a sprint or a pursuit setup. Um, so what the M2 is is it's actually an open mold frame set. Okay. It's uh, not of my design, uh, but it is manufactured by a fairly well-recognised manufacturer in the industry who manufacture uh, who manufacture a few other well-recognised uh, frames in the industry, um, all from China. Uh, and so we're using that as a research and development uh, tool uh, to go through the UCI process to understand. So we're, we're currently submitting it for the UCI approval now to get it second um, and doing all the uh, ISO testing, strength analysis. Um, what we're doing is, is essentially using that as a R&D tool to be able to understand all the loops and bounds to get through all the certification processes. So then when we come to our own frame, it can uh, go through much quicker. Yeah. Um, and we understand where these potential hiccups might be within that process. Um, so yeah, the open, it's an open mold frame set, um, not of our design, but what we're doing is adding value to it by A, getting it UCI approved, but also um, adding, uh, extra features to it so like longer integrated stems and uh we're actually looking into a whole new front end a whole new fork uh for the frame set too um so it's, it's adding value to uh a, a product that is already out there in the market and sold by other brands no that's awesome and so do when like if i wanted that bike right now 
could I order it or what does that look like? Yeah, um, so it's orderable. The, um, the manufactured to order. So when an order comes through, mm. I liaise with the, the customer, um, understand their size, uh, where it's going to be shipped to, and then I deal with the, the, the factory and get it all custom painted, all done, ready to be shipped out straight from the factory to your door. So yeah, we're looking at so probably anywhere from like six to eight weeks, right? In theory. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm In more theory. Or less just shooting it for the shooting about the that. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Well, no, th this is awesome. Like I said, I think I think one of the coolest things that I thought about you, it's like, you know, there's so many people that are coming out with bar things or chain rings this and chain rings that, and there's very little people who have been successful on it. And I, when I think of it, I you know, arrow coach and watch shop all guys that are up there but you definitely are one of those guys that i think is up there too um mm. and so i kind of see myself as a little bit uh, as an underdog just sort of skipping around them also with where where we are based in the world new zealand in this little corner it's yeah. difficult to dabble in a lot of the european industry well see it's funny that you say that because i remember and this is why i bring it up because the whole what my next thing was going to be is that you know you see yourself as this underdog and it's funny because somebody made a comment and said when are you going to make arrow bars and you tagged watch shop and you said that's not us i'd rather you go to watch shop or something along those lines like as if like go to our go to our partner or our friends over at watch mm. shop that's what they deal with and so it was yep. almost like it was almost like you have a con like this is what we do like we do endurance bars, we do this and we do it well. Mm. If I'm going to do arrow bars, I'm going to do arrow bars well. But for the time being, exactly, watch, watch shops doing that well. Yep, yep. And um, I'm not, well, I, I, to, to start with, I want to collaborate with a lot of people. I don't want to compete with people, but also yeah. watch shop already, you know, three years, four years down the line into arrow bar development. Yep. And if I were to, jump into that industry i've got a lot of catching up to do to even like become par with them and so i'd rather spend that time doing what i'm good at doing the endurance bars doing the sprint bars and they're the disciplines that i have more experience in as well um i'm not a pursuiter i'm not a time trialist so um i don't have the extensive experience within uh, pursuit bars as dan Bigamwood or um other manufacturers yeah. and designers no, and I, well, that's why I thought it was so impressive because it was almost like while you guys are trying to compete for sales and, and like at the end of the day, you guys are niche products, man. Like it's not like, you're not, you know, it's not like everybody's just out buying $1,200 bars for, mm. for their, for their bike, you know, every day. And so it's a, it's a very niche product. And so to, to be a master of that is really cool. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on and I thought it was pretty neat, but Anyways, you know, I don't want to keep you all day. Um, I got one one last question for you, and it's our famous question. It's uh, it's it's one that has jack all to do with cycling, and it's more or less just <laughs> to get to know you a little bit more as a person and what you're into. But if you could have a cup of coffee with uh, one individual, dead <laughs> or alive, who would that person be? Why would you have coffee with them? And then how would you take your coffee? Yeah. Um... Well, that's that's a great question. Um, so I suppose one of my heroes um, who's passed away um, would be Bruce McLaren. Mm. 
Okay. Um, so uh, famous innovator within motorsport, um, yeah. pretty much pioneered the Can-Am series, uh, jumped into Formula One car development and things, pioneered aerodynamics, pioneered a lot of the modern features that you see on, on uh, vehicles, even road cars. Um, he would be who I want to have coffee with. And it's quite interesting. Uh, my family shares a little bit of connection, um, family, friends with uh, her, uh, his sister, oh, wow. uh, Jan McLaren, uh, uh, yeah, in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, so yeah, that would be who I'd want to uh, share a coffee with. Um, flat white, no sugar. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, no, the flat white new zealand special right there yeah um yeah no that's super cool because i mean even mclaren's diving into a bit of cycling i mean yeah with the aerodynamic stuff i mean i know they're working yeah. with lacole uh, and they had the specialized collaboration a few yeah. years ago yeah. yeah so there's there's definitely some there's definitely some feet there well, cool, man. Well, Glenn, like I said, man, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Finally, I know this is something that we've been trying to dive around. I wanted to get you on during the Olympic special, but that was just nuts trying to coordinate with everyone and trying to get that all dialed. And then, um, yeah, uh, again, guys, thanks so much for listening. If you haven't already, please make sure that you subscribe. Also go check out Glenn and Velo bike over, um, at their Instagram and on their Facebook and at their website. I'll put all the links in the description below. Um, if you have any questions, Glenn is also very responsive. Um, you would think that he would be super busy making these bars and doing all his science techie shit, but, uh, he will respond. So shoot him a message. If you have any questions, uh, shoot them a message and, uh, yeah, guys, we hope to see you next time. Cheers. Cool.